welcome to Mayflower, where we believe faith is a journey, God is good, Jesus saves, and the Spirit leads us toward faith, hope, and love as we honor the dignity of all humanity. We're so happy you're here with us this morning, whether you're joining us via live stream or you're here in the sanctuary. Welcome, welcome. If you are here in the sanctuary and you're on the inside aisle, please find that friendship register sign it and pass it down your row. We would much appreciate it. Also, if you'll look in your pew rack, we have new prayer cards. If you have a praise item or a request to share either this morning in the service or you'd like to go on our prayer list, please make sure to fill out that card and those will be collected during our middle hymn. Additionally, if you would simply like to be prayed over, prayed with today, After the service, I will be available after the postlude up here in front if you would like to be prayed for. Well, I hope you were all given a copy of this week's bulletin. You'll find all kinds of information about all the happenings here around Mayflower. You will also notice a bulletin insert with details about a tutoring program at Mulek Elementary. Mulek is the Grand Rapids public elementary school that is in our zip code, And as many of you know, GRPS was 100% virtual last school year. We've been in communication with the principal there at Mulek. We've had a relationship with that school for many, many years. And we were trying to address, as an outreach committee, issues of absenteeism last year. And I have to tell you, they were running at about a 40% absentee rate last school year. So this has produced a learning crisis of mass proportion. In response to this crisis, we have been invited to join a tutoring program in reading with fourth and fifth graders. It would be a commitment of one hour per week. So the question is, do you have one hour a week to help a student in need? Do you have one hour a week to look a student right in the eye and let them know how important they are? Do you have one hour per week to possibly change the trajectory of a student's life? I think this is the invitation. And I want you to know our high schoolers and our Elevate students are also getting involved. Many of those students are donating their lunch hour once a week to go and tutor with some younger learners at Mulek. So let's consider how we can support these students and our Mayflower tutors this year anticipating that God will do great things with our willingness to give one precious hour. So this morning, Rachel Cooley has an announcement about midweek. Good morning. We had a wonderful turnout for midweek this last Wednesday. It was so fun to see everyone, and it was a gorgeous night. This week for midweek, we have a special guest speaker That is coming from 6 to 7. Her name is Susan Stearns, and she is a reading specialist within our East Grand Rapids Public School District. And she will come and share tips of how to get your students the best reading they can get as they go through our school district. So not only can you engage in our youth choirs and Bible study and adult workshop, but one of the best things about midweek is dinner. Because I don't like to cook. And so when I saw that Wednesday nights you get dinner already done for you for everybody, it's the best part of midweek. 
So this week, for midweek, our dinner is going to consist of a personal pan pizza from Hungry Howie's and an ice cream treat. Hank Meyer has generously donated to fill our ice cream freezer downstairs for the whole year with ice cream treats for all of us. So I hope that even if you are not a part of the different programming on Wednesday nights, that you'll consider coming between 5 and 7 and having dinner. Have the fellowship and be outside and enjoy a meal you don't have to cook. Today's music reflects our scripture reading, Acts 2, describing the first Pentecost and the Spirit descending. So, lots of music with lots of images of the Spirit, starting with the prelude that you heard, Kom Heiliger Geist, which is Come Holy Spirit. If you say Kom Heiliger Geist, you will be practicing for your call to worship. We all get to speak in different languages today. The postlude, Kom Gottschöpfer Heiliger Geist, is the German um, title for the Gregorian chant, uh, Veni Creator Spiritus, which you will hear somewhere in the middle of the service. And uh, the anthem today, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling, a text by Charles Wesley. One of the images in that text is a prayer to the Holy Spirit. And the setting, um, actually the text is found in your hymnal, number 48. Uh, We sing this often as a congregational hymn, but this is one of the choir's favorite uh, anthems in a setting by Howard Goodall, an English composer from the 20th century, um, well known for his musicals and television music and also for choral writing. And he sets this text with, uh, it's a soaring melody with this pulsing accompaniment beginning as a prayer, as a gentle um, entrance that, with a gradual crescendo through the anthem until you arrive at the very end with the text, Lost in Wonder, Love, and Praise. And he um, repeats the word praise, praise, and ends with this glorious finale. But before we get there, uh, choir will um, now sing the introit. It's our introit for the month of September, uh, chant setting of Psalm 150.
And now we're going to invite you to stand for our call to worship. We don't always do this. But on page two of your bulletin, you'll find this call. And in the spirit of Acts 2 and Pentecost, our call to worship incorporates many languages. Our responses might sound a bit strange. That's okay. That'll help us imagine some of the chaos and bewilderment on that first Pentecost day. Spirit of the living God, visit us again on this day. Come, Holy Spirit. Like a rushing wind that sweeps away all barriers. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Heiler Geist. Like tongues of fire that set our hearts aflame. Come, Holy Spirit. Vien, Esprit Saint. With speech that unites the babble of our tongues. Come, Holy Spirit. Ven Espiritu Santo. With love that overlaps the boundaries of race and nation. Come, Holy Spirit. Haya Wene Mutsevi. With power from above to make our weakness strong. Come, Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Holy God of rushing wind and tongues of fire, 
Fill us with your spirit as you did that day of Pentecost so long ago. Fill this place with your divine presence. Shape us and mold us to be more like you. And as we just sang, let our whole souls an offering be. Amen. Good morning. I'd like to invite all the children worshiping with us to come forward for the children's message. Good morning. It's so good to see you guys. So. I was driving the other day, and I was at a stoplight, and I saw the funniest street sign. It was Short Street, and I was sitting there, and I thought it was so funny that I took a picture of it. Because the funny part is, what if you lived on this street, but you were tall? And you had to say to someone when they're like, where do you live? And you have to say, I live on 555 Short Street. They would think that was kind of funny, wouldn't they? So it made me think, what if the street name that we lived on, may, may, um, if it was something about us? So if you were a Michigan fan, you would live on Wolverine Way. Would any of you want to live on Wolverine Way? Yeah. Or you could live on Sparty Street. If you, uh-huh, if you're a Michigan State fan. Now, what if God saw into our heart and whatever was in our heart was the street that we would live on? Sometimes, unfortunately, I think we would live on Anger Avenue, wouldn't we? I know. But wouldn't we rather live on Forgiveness Street? No. What about Bully Way? We wouldn't want to live on that street, would we? No way, Jose. We'd much rather live on Kindness Court. So as you're going about your week this week, I want you, after you leave church, You're in your car and you pull into your street. Look up at that street sign and say, what do I want my street to be that would represent my heart as to where I live? And live that out. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, we are so thankful that you know our heart. 
and that our hearts can be true to you. May we live on a street and in a way that shows your love and grace in all that we do. Amen. All right, friends. I'm going to dismiss you all at the same time to go down to the youth rooms for Bible Beginnings and Bible Alive with Mrs. Coster and Mrs. Orban. So if we want to stand up, I know it's so exciting. And we can go to Sunday school. Marco, you want to come with me? Just a reminder that if you filled out a prayer card, the ushers in just a moment are going to come through and collect those. Thank you. Good morning. 
The scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, and verses 36 through 39, which can be found on page 771 in your pew Bible. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Now verses 36 and 39 through 39. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. I want to say once again uh, that it is my joy and privilege to be with you for this time at Mayflower Congregational Church. And when we look back upon our life, I think among our greatest joys are birth of a baby, and especially if that takes place within our family. 
And we can remember the, the precious time of holding a child in our arms for the very first time and looking and, you know, thinking, well, it's all there, all those things inside and outside and all that makes it work and it's going to grow up one day to be an adult. And it's just that amazing, incredible miracle that in that first look and first touch is an indescribable joy. We mark those birth those births with birthdays and with birthday celebrations. And so today we're going to look at a birthday party, not of a, a child, but of an event long time ago. The year is probably 30 A.D. Uh, in a land far away in Jerusalem, in the sacred temple of that city. Acts chapter 2, as William has just read for us. So we're in a series called Why Church? Mayflower Acts. And as we come back together after not being present for 77 weeks with choir and children's message and at, together as, as families like this, uh, we're asking you know, what it means to be church in 2021 and suggesting that a place to begin is to go back to the very beginning to the book of Acts, which is what we are doing. So when the church is born in that second chapter, there is a party. And there's joy and noise and loud praise, and people come from all over the world, not because it's the church's birthday, but because it's an ancient Jewish festival called Pentecost. And they come from those crazy places that we never heard of that William read in the text this morning. And it talks about tongues of fire, and you wonder, what in the world is that? And there's confusion, and some people laugh and say, look, they're drunk. Well, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Too early for that, they say. And along with it, then, there comes this bold declaration of how everything has changed. And then there's a great invitation to join something that is incredibly new. 120 people started that party, the party of praise, and when it was over, their number had grown to over 3,000 who were ready to start a new adventure. It was an amazing day. Now the whole rest of the book of Acts tells us how that infant church grew, grew and grew until it outlived and outdied the Roman Empire itself. Just a little historical perspective. I think we mentioned last week that from Easter to the day of Ascension, in Acts chapter 1, it's 40 days. From that day of Ascension into Pentecost, it's just, it's 10 days. And they had been told by Jesus to go to Jerusalem and wait. And that is what they have done. So it's been 50 amazing days for them And the Spirit comes in power on Pentecost. I want to leave just three words with us today. And the first word is the word word or words. This birthday party is full of words, strange words, unusual speech. But the words of Pentecost unite They do not divide. In our world today, 
words just seem to be exploding. Almost impossible to get away from. And so often they're words of anger and alienation. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and a lot of other, you know, devices or whatever you call them out there that I don't know about, you know. They're just so full of words. And so many of the words are angry and hurtful. Words of denunciation and alienation and ridicule. Forty years ago, my most favorite author, a man who became mentor to me, though I never met him personally, I only heard him speak on one occasion, Henry Nouwen, wonderful author, devout Catholic priest. He wrote words those 40 years ago that were prophetic to that day, but seem even more relevant today. He wrote about driving through the, along the freeways in Los Angeles. Now this is, of course, before computers. Okay? And he is just being bombarded, he says, by words. Words are everywhere. Billboards and loud speech and broad, things broadcast everywhere. He says, we have been inundated by a torrent of words. Words softly whispered, words loudly proclaimed or angrily screamed. They form the floor and walls and ceiling of our existence. They cry out saying, use me, take me, buy me, believe me, trust me. In such a world, he says, who can maintain respect for words? Words are no longer communicators. Words no longer foster communion, no longer create community, and therefore they no longer give life. Lies are presented as truth. Human speech becomes a weapon intended to destroy and divide rather than foster community. But at Pentecost, it's vastly different. People hear strange, ecstatic conversation, but they understand one another. That's the amazing thing. They say, these that are uttering these words, they're Galileans. That means they're unsophisticated, unlearned people from the region to the north. But they're speaking our language. We hear them, they say, in our own tongue, we're hearing the mighty works of God. So much speech today is anti, anti-Asian, anti-Arab, anti-Semitic, xenophobic, violent, and divisive. Pentecost is the opposite. Pentecost is God's gift of speech that unifies the human family. When the church is born, there are words that are a gift from God intended to celebrate human diversity from all over the place they are and to foster unity. Words of the Spirit are words of community and unity. The second word is the word power. The Spirit 
comes and gives them a new power. Jesus had said to them in the text that we read last week in Acts chapter 1, you go to Jerusalem and you wait, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But this is not a power to conquer, control, or dominate but it's a power to love and serve and sacrifice. It's very different from the power that we remembered last weekend on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, the power of destruction and fear and revenge. The power of Pentecost is not from pumping iron or scoring touchdowns, or building weapons, or climbing ladders of success. It is a power that works best in a graveyard, in the quiet of an Easter morning. The power that brings life out of death, love out of hate, and it changes everything, including you and me, when it gets a grip. On our life. It is a power that the book of Acts will show us blows up hate. Hate that has festered and been nurtured for centuries. It is a power that will demolish barriers of separation of race and class and social standing. Last Wednesday night, I went, I went to Eric's Bible study. And we started at the real beginning of everything in the book of Genesis. Acts is another new beginning. But before we got into the beginning of Genesis, Eric shared some powerful verses with us. And one of them was Paul's prayer that these early believers would come to understand the power, the power that was within them by the Spirit that would allow them to comprehend what love and life really is. Third word. Word, power, and then repent. In verse 37, after Peter has given quite a lengthy message, when people have come together with all this noise going off, what in the world, Peter stands up to explain. I'm always encouraged by the fact that he preaches in the text in Acts 2 a fairly lengthy message, and then it also says, with many other words. So it was, you know, not a short sermon. It was, you know, he went on for a while. And then at the end of that, it said, when the, in verse 37, When the people had heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were convicted. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And what do you think they said? Well, they didn't say, you know, go get a degree or learn a new language or, hey, here's the offering plate, give us your money. No, they said, repent. That was the first word. Now, that word, when we listen to it, kind of stings, doesn't it? 
You probably don't encounter many people on the sidewalk that look at you and say, repent. And if you do, you probably dismiss them. But in this day, in this context, they listened, and Peter said, repent. Now, I think it's very interesting that the first word we hear from John the Baptist, who's preparing the way for the Messiah to come, is the word, repent. The first word that Jesus speaks, check it out in Mark chapter 1 in his ministry, the first word is repent and believe. And the first word that Peter speaks to interpret what happened here at Pentecost is the word repent. So I think we need to pay attention to that and discover what it might mean. Verse 41, the outcome is those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that began at 120. Let me just say this in closing. Repent is so misunderstood. It is seen as negative, as depressing, as unclean. I came across a quote I thought, I think is really a wonderful quote by a man who I'd never heard of and he lived way long ago. He died in the year 649, so almost 1,500 years ago. St. John Climacus. He wrote this. Hear these words. To repent is not to look downwards at my own shortcomings. Oh, I'm such a bad, 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 bad person. But upwards at God's love. It is not to look backwards with self-reproach, but forward with truthfulness. It is to see not what I have failed to be, but what by the grace of Christ I might yet become. It is to open my heart and life to what God might want to do in my life. So behind this question, there's a longing. What shall we do? It's like, I want that. And they're called to turn to God, away from what is false, to choose truth over deception to choose God in their life. And so, friends, may all our words be words that build up. And may we cling to the power that is life-giving and full of love and service. And may we turn away, repent from that which is false, and embrace God's loving offer to open ourselves now to the wonderful possibilities he has in store. Amen.
The ushers are about to come forward to receive this morning's offering. We acknowledge that many of you give online and text to give. We appreciate your generosity toward the ministry of Mayflower Church.
Holy God, we dedicate these gifts, tithes, and offerings to you. We acknowledge that all things are yours anyway. So we thank you for your provision. May it be used for your glory, honor, and praise. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for the prayer cards that you returned. These are precious. And please remember that I'll be available after the postlude if you would like some personal prayer. You will also find today our church prayer list. Many of you get that emailed to your home. We have copies of that in the narthex. So you know when we say add to the prayer list, now you know what we're talking about. So feel free to grab a copy. We can pray for each other this week. Now as we prepare our hearts for the language of prayer, this mysterious language of divine connection, we will offer our words. Then we will have a song response. You can find that in your bulletin. Then, as a congregation, we will pray together the Lord's Prayer. So let's join our hearts together now. Dear and holy Lord, speak in the language of our need. Let us hear how our deepest hungers, desires, and aspirations can be fulfilled by your goodness and in your service. Come, Holy Spirit, give us that good news again. Speak in the language of our fear. Let us hear how our worries about the future and about each other and about ourselves can find rest in your perfect care. Come, Holy Spirit, give us that encouraging news again. Speak in the language of our gratitude let us hear how your honest thanks relates to us, not only to those whom we, whom we love, but also to you, the Lord and giver of life. Come, Holy Spirit, give us that enlarging, grateful news again. Speak to us in the language of hope. Let us hear how our yearning and our expectations are not just wishful thinking, but responses to your promise. Come, Holy Spirit, give us that good news of hope again. Fear, gratitude, hope. Wow, these are all words we pray for at this church. We are so grateful to be here, so grateful for this edifice and this ministry, but Lord, we have fear about the future. We have hope that it is so bright. And Lord, this morning we pray for Kevin and Susan Fry and Eden Ministries in Doma, Zimbabwe. We pray for the flourishing of that ministry with some of the least of these in the world, children desperate for home, for family, for love, for a future. We lift up Kevin and Susan to you as they have been traveling stateside and been infected with the COVID virus. We specifically pray for Kevin, who is on oxygen right now in his second week. He also lost his mother this week. So the ways that that man is shouldering this ministry, and now his own body failing in the grief of his family, Lord, we just pray that your hand of mercy just falls on him right now. We pray with this church next month as we embrace Edens in a new way, we just pray that your spirit goes before us, that we are a blessing to this part of the world. Lord, we thank you for the fourth birthday today of some precious grandchildren of the Crandalls, Pierce and Evelyn. We thank you for babies and for birth and for birthdays. We are so grateful. 
We acknowledge that there's birth and there's excitement and there's new life and there's also loss. We lift up Aaron Bartman's family as they are grieving the loss of his grandfather. Many of us have experienced losses these last months and this last year. Lord, be with us in our grief. And especially this morning, we want to lift up the 14,000 Haitians that are living under a bridge in Texas if that's even living. That that island country has been ravaged again and again and again, and 14,000 of those inhabitants crossed a body of water to seek shelter in our country, and they're living, hardly living, under a bridge in Texas. Lord, this is the kind of thing we don't know how to even process. But we know nothing's a surprise to you, that you hold all things and you love all people, and every single one of us was created in your image. So we pray for those who are the hands and feet of Jesus in this kind of crisis that you will empower them. Help us to be people as we read and watch news that is devastating, that we don't become callous, that we don't just skip over it, but we stop and we pause and we say, Lord, what will you have me to do? We can be easily overwhelmed, but God, you are not. We thank you for that. Now come, Holy Spirit of the living God, and fall afresh on us. And now in this Holy Spirit, we pray together the words Jesus taught the disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever.
Go forth knowing you are beloved and blessed by God, by a God who constantly calls us to embrace the new and life-giving spirit. Go claiming our identity as Pentecost people, people of wind and fire, of dreams and visions, people filled with the most amazing and transforming Spirit of God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And remember that at the close of the postlude, Pastor Ruth will be at the front to pray with any who would like. Amen.